0: You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast for Wednesday, March 10th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from ganggreennation.com. I want to take a moment to give a special shout out to subscribers to this podcast who are taking some time out of their day to listen. And if you'd like to join that group, just go to your favorite podcast source and hit the subscribe button and we will deliver new episodes to your device each morning as they are posted. Today is our weekly mailbag. Thanks to everybody who sent in questions. Our first question comes from Jim. Jim says, Like you, John, I thought the hiring of Adam Gase was a disaster at the time. I was further convinced that he had not learned anything from his Miami experience when he started filling his staff with a bunch of failed Dolphins cronies. Joe Vitt, Dowell Loggins, Sean Jefferson, etc. These hiring decisions were harshly criticized by many people, including you and me. Now, as much as it pains me, I have to ask, isn't Salah doing the same thing, mostly filling his staff with people he has worked with before? Should this be a a concern? Salah has spent 16 seasons in the NFL, and his teams have had winning records only four times, so it's not like he's plucking gems from the Andy Reid tree. Please make me feel better. Well, Jim, I don't think that the fact Salah is hiring people he's worked with is in itself necessarily cause for concern on some level in the NFL, you're always going to hire people you know. The NFL is a league where people get jobs based on who they know. You hire people you know, you hire people you trust. The issue with Gase, I don't think, was so much that he was hiring his friends. It's that we had already seen this team in place. We had already seen that this was not a productive team in Miami. We saw that these guys could not work together. And I'll take it one step further after Gase's first season with the Jets in 2019, after that offense had struggled so so much, how are there no coaching changes? How do you bring back the exact same staff and say, we have the right team in place after that 2019 performance? How is there no idea to bring in an outside voice? That's mind-boggling. The issue for me is not so much about hiring people you know. It's not about relationships. It's when those relationships become more important than what's right for the team. And there are plenty of examples in recent Jets history. You can go before Case. Todd Bowles hired Casey Rogers as his defensive coordinator, and by all accounts, Rogers and Bowles were very good friends. And while the Jets were changing offensive coordinators practically every year under Bowles, Rogers kept staying in place, even though the defense was not performing. That was a case where a friendship became a detriment to the Jets. Or if you go before Bowls with Rex, there was a guy, Jeff Weeks, who was a very close friend of Rex from de- over, there over, was a decades-long friendship. And you may remember there was actually a book written about one particular Jets season called Collision Low Crossers. And in that book, they talked about how Jeff Weeks was not really doing the job. He was not working hard enough, and Rex was not addressing it. And that created a lot of dissension among the coaching staff because lots of other coaches, you know, and I'm paraphrasing what was in the book, but in the book, it mentions how a lot of other coaches got frustrated because they say, you know, we're trying to win a Super Bowl here. I'm working really hard and this guy's not. That became a problem. So I don't think it's necessarily an issue that you hire people you, you know. It's when those relationships become more important than what's right for the team. And that's the, that, that will be the test with Salah not all of these hires are going to work. There are going to have to be coaching changes after the first season. That's just the way the NFL functions. You're not going to get all of your hires right. There are going to be some guys who just are not the right fit, who don't do the job well enough, and Sal is going to have to make some changes. That will be the test. Will he make the changes? Will he let friendship come in the way of what's right for the team? That's where, that's where you get worried. So, you know, with Gase, it wasn't so much that, he hired people he knew. It's that the people he he knew were not, did not form an effective team with him, and he refused to change that. So hopefully that gives you a little bit more peace of mind, Jim. Now, granted, I cannot tell you that Robert Sala will definitively be effective in this regard, but I don't think the test has really come yet, and I don't think what we've seen so far is necessarily that significant. Our next question is from Tim. Hi, John. Will Fuller might be the best deep threat in the free agent class. He has his warts, but he is an elite field stretcher when on the field. He is also a favorite of Deshaun Watson. Should the Jets be interested in Will Fuller, regardless of who the quarterback ultimately turns out to be? And would Joe Douglas be revealing an interest in trading for Watson if he shows an interest in Fuller? So, Tim... I really want the Jets to go at the top end of, of free agency this year at the wide receiver position. And you know normally I'm a guy who says stay out of the top end of free agency, but I want to see the Jets get a number one type receiver, a guy who can be a real go-to guy. And you know after the franchise tag period, that might just be Kenny Galladay because Chris Godwin and Alan Robinson got franchised and now are not going to be on the free agent market. That said, I mean, I think that there's a very strong second tier at the wide receiver position. And just because I want the Jets to go out and get a number one receiver like a Galladay, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're wrong if they look at the second tier of options. And I think Fuller's a decent guy in that second tier. And as you mentioned, I mean, he has one skill, which is very valuable. It's his speed. So, that would not be my first choice, but I don't think it would be a terrible move by the Jets. I, I would totally understand it if they decided to go in that direction. Now, to answer your, your other questions here, you know, should the Jets be interested regardless of who the quarterback ultimately turns out to be? I think that's a yes, because it doesn't matter who play, who's playing quarterback. This receiver group has to be upgraded. And I think that the Jets need to bring in, I mean, if I were the Jets, I'd bring in two guys. I'd try and sign a free agent and bring somebody in through the draft. I think I just think that this is a group that's not good enough as currently constituted and it's a big detriment to the current team. And then the last question Tim asked was would Joe Douglas be tipping his hands and showing that he's interested in Deshaun Watson if he trades if he signs Fuller. And I think that's a no for the reasons I just mentioned. This receiver core has to be addressed one way or another. It's not a situation where You're getting Fuller necessarily only for Deshaun. Will Fuller can probably help any quarterback the Jets have out there, whether it's a rookie, whether it's somebody else, whether it's Darnold. Will Fuller is going to help you because of his speed, because of his, you know, his ability as a potential deep threat. And you need those things whether or not Deshaun Watson's your quarterback. In fact, I would argue that you need those things more if Deshaun Watson's not your quarterback, because Deshaun Watson doesn't need as much help as the other options on the market. So I I don't think it necessarily is a sign that the Jets are definitively in the the Deshaun sweepstakes if they get Fuller. And I don't think it's a sign that they're not if they show no interest in Fuller. We have been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with... 100% 100% chocolate on all bars and now is the time to find out which built bar is the best it's built bar madness built bar is putting together an NCAA style bracket tournament of all of its flavors and today's matchups are german chocolate versus salted caramel and mocha love versus white chocolate birthday cake you can go to builtbar.com or at built bar b-u-i-l-t underscore b-a-r on twitter to vote And when you're ordering, remember to use promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order. Again, that's LOCKEDON20. It's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, number two, number zero, for 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchups and who will become the best tasting protein bar. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on a Mailbag Wednesday. Our next question comes from Joe. Over the past few seasons, the Jets were always overpaying and never looked like a place players wanted to go. How do you think the perception of the team is different this year? And what or who do you think has impacted this change the most? Well, I'm not sure the perception has changed a ton yet. You know, I think more has to happen. Now, do I think that Robert Sala being here makes this a more attractive destination than Adam Gase? Yes, I do. But typically, in order to shed that label of the place players don't want to go, you have to either win or there has to be some sort of major transformative event. You know, if you go back, oh, close to three decades now, the Green Bay Packers signed Reggie White as a free agent. And this was a period where Green Bay was one of the worst teams in the NFL for a very long time. I mean, they were kind of in a comparable position to where the Jets are today. And that was a move that kind of signaled to the rest of the league. And Reggie White was essentially, even though they played different positions, I'd say it would be comparable to Aaron Donald signing with your team who was that kind of an impact player. Again, I'm not saying Reggie White is Aaron Donald. Different players, different positions, different styles of play, but it had that kind of impact. And that was kind of the signal that the Packers were back. Typically, what has to happen is you have to win and you have to show some degree of excitement. Now, I think that this i this concept would be one item in favor of potentially trading for Deshaun Watson, because I think if the Jets got Deshaun Watson, suddenly they'd be a team people want to go to, because everybody wants to play with Deshaun. So, you know, a move like that could move the needle a lot, but I, there's still a lot of work to do. I, I think, objectively speaking, the Jets have not been, a, as Joe said, they have not been a team free agents have been excited about, typically they've been the team that free agents have used to bid. They've used the the Jets essentially to get more money out of other teams. They've used the Jets as leverage for other teams. They had no intention of signing with the Jets, but they use the Jets offer and say, the Jets offered me this, you have to raise your offer to another team. Either that or you get like the Trumaine Johnsons or CJ Mosleys where the Jets just give them so much money that they can't possibly turn it down. It's a tricky spot to be in because wasteful spending in free agency can destroy you. But when you're in a spot like the Jets, you do have to make some selective overpays, overpays. so you have to pick your spots. Um, it's not, not a great position to be in. And part of the reason, you know, the Jets have had to be so active in free agency is that they haven't had enough of their own drafted players getting extensions, getting extensions to eat up that cap space so they've had all this excess excess cap space, which essentially has been money that has not gone to second contracts for drafted players, and it's forced them to spend in free agency. It's just been this really ugly cycle that has gotten the team to the state it's in, and ultimately there's no, I mean, the easiest answer is the Jets need to start winning games. I think, again, I think it will be easier this year with Salah, but I don't think it's going to be easy. I think the Jets still have a very negative perception around this franchise, and it's going to take some time to, to make that better. And I think, you know, they may have to overpay some guys to get them here. They just need to make sure that they're overpaying the right guys and pick their spots correctly. Our next question, PFF graded Connor McGovern very well over the second half of the season. What are your thoughts on how McGovern played in the first half versus the second half? Do you think upgrading the guard position with a player like Joe Tooney would help McGovern look better next season? I I do think McGovern was better over the second half of the season. I've never really cited PFF grades as a a source that just me, like I, you know, I, I never understood how they got to their conclusion. So I try and just do my own stuff. But I do think he was a little bit better in the second half. The thing that kind of surprised me is I thought he was better as a run blocker than he was as a pass protector. And I actually think PFF backs me on that. So I guess that's one area where PFF and I are in alignment. But Joe, I think you, I think Joe brings up a really good point here, and it's about the guard position, and that's something like I, I really probably had not considered, is you know when you're playing center, the quality of your guards around you impacts your impacts your play, and I've been kind of critical of McGovern's performance in 2020, but it is fair to point out this was not the, the Jets did not surround him with a strong group of guards and that may have impacted his play very negatively. And if you go out in free agency and get a Joe Tooney, somebody like that, who did not receive the franchise tag from New England this year, now you may remember a year ago, it sounded like the Jets were going to make a big offer to Tooney, and then out of nowhere, the Patriots surprisingly franchised him. That's not happening this year. But, you know, that's, that's a very good point. Perhaps part of the issue with McGovern last year was just the quality of guard play. And if you upgrade the guards around him, maybe you'll see the player the jets thought they were getting last offseason. So, you know, that that's certainly food for thought. That's something I had not considered. So, good question, Joe. The NFL season may be over, but the NBA and the NHL are in full swing and college basketball is gearing up for March Madness, and Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online also covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, BetOnline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code LOCKEDON, one word, no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Locked on Jets podcast on this mailbag Wednesday. Our next question, will you consider the Jets draft a failure if they don't pick an offensive lineman with their extra first round choice? I will not. I don't think in the long run, anybody's going to care what position the Jets pick at 23, as long as they get a really good player. And I think this is sometimes the mistake we make when we watch the NFL draft. Sometimes our focus is is so short term, we are focusing only on what are the immediate short-term needs our team has instead of the long run. And really the draft is about the long run. The draft is not about making the worst position on my team better in year one. The draft is about finding somebody who can contribute to your team for like a decade and preventing that position from being a need for like 10 years. And this happens every year. Every year you see some team make a surprise pick at a position that is not necessarily one of need, and their fans say, well, I don't even care if this player works out. This was a bad pick. And then ultimately, the player goes on to have success, and everybody forgets that they ever said that. I remember, you know, it, this is pretty topical, but I remember in 2017, the Jets picked Jamal Adams in the first round, and then surprisingly, they picked Marcus May in the second round, another safety. And people made that exact comment. They said, well, I don't even care if May works out, this is a bad pick because the Jets did not need a safety right here. Well, here we are, four years later, and everybody wants to keep May. Everybody, you know, People are saying we can't afford to lose May. People may be going a little too far and saying how important May is. But ultimately, that pick was not a failure because May was good. May was good, and it's a success. So I don't think you can ever go into the draft and say that we need to address this position. If this we don't address this position, it's a failure because ultimately, the draft is about the long run. It's not about your immediate needs. I mean, it's a little bit about your immediate needs this year. And sometimes you know, there's a position that's deep, like wide receiver last year, where you have an opportunity to really invest there. And you could argue that the Jets missed an opportunity by only drafting one wide receiver. But you know, it, it I don't think you could ever go into the draft and say with this specific pick, we need to draft this specific position. I mean, here's the other thing is the Jets have plenty of needs premium positions. You know, they have needs at wide receiver, they have needs at edge rusher, they have needs at corner. So it's not even a case where there's only one premium position that needs a player. I mean, if the Jets draft a good corner at 23 or a good edge rusher, or good wide receiver, you wouldn't complain because that would be, that would have just as much of an impact as drafting a good offensive lineman. I'd love to see the Jets draft an offensive lineman early this year, but I can't say it's a failure if they don't. Next question, pancakes or waffles? I am going to say something that's going to upset a lot of people, but I like both. I can't pick. I am declaring neutrality in the pancake versus waffle war, and that's gonna that'll probably upset more people than I would have if I had picked a side, but I like both. Next question, we are getting close to the Jets offseason workouts, and Sam Darnold is still on the trade block it would be it would be a bit awkward to have him at the off-season workout. Do you still guess he's going to be traded at the draft? That's still my guess. And yes, it will be awkward if he's there at the off-season workout. But I don't think it's going to matter that much. I mean, yeah, it'll be a day where it's a little bit weird, but you know, I'll go back to what I just said, you know, 10 years from now Are you ever going to remember the awkwardness of having Sam Darnold at your off-season workout? Are you going to remember it in September once the season has begun? It's just an off-season storyline. There are many off-season storylines that get a lot of attention at the time, but they only exist because there's nothing else to talk about. So yeah, I'm sure there's going to be plenty written about Darnold being at the off-season workouts when he knows he's probably on his way out of town. But it's not going to impact the team because by the time the actual games start, nobody will remember it. So yeah, my guess is still the draft is when he's going to be traded because that's really the deadline. You know, if we we are talking about a day two pick, you know, a second round pick or a third round pick for Darnold, and that's my guess right now. I don't know that for a fact, but based on all the buzz kind of sounds like that's what the price is going to be. Then the deadline is not until day 2 of the draft. So that's that's why it's my guess. That's that's why it's my guess. And while there will be some quarterback movement, while there will be some teams that could potentially be suitors for Darnold who will get their quarterback early in the off season, there's just going to be so much quarterback movement in the NFL this year that you know we're going to get to the draft and there are going to be quarterback needy teams and I think somebody's going to be interested in him you know my my view on this might be different if this was not going to be an offseason of vast quarterback movement in the NFL and there was a, there was a chance that you know most of the teams by the time we got to the draft will have addressed their positions but i think the jets are going to wait to play this out and quite frankly there's no incentive for the jets to trade darnold until they have their replacement in hand and that probably would be day 1 of the NFL draft so now you could trade him now The fact you're sitting on the second overall pick and you know Trevor Lawrence is going number one, that could incentivize you a little bit because you'll know, you know, you know you can get your pick of the non-Trevor Lawrence quarterback. So if you decide on either Fields or Wilson and you you definitively know that this is your guy once you complete your evaluation, then maybe you could trade him before the draft. So, I mean, there's that element. But I still think the most likely time frame is probably during the draft. That's when a lot of big deals get done in the NFL. Anyway, that's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Lockdown Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. Hope you have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow. I'm thinking of the idea of doing a bonus mailbag this week, because next week with free agency beginning, we, we may not get one. So I may do an extra one this week. So if you do have any unanswered mailbag questions, feel free to send them to me and we'll chat again tomorrow.